Y'all can just turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and I'll catch up with you. Is that all right? And I'm going to go to Ephesians 5, 3. It says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 1, we'll go back to verse 1. Therefore, be followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I'm going to go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Colossians 3. Five. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of the, these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which, in which you also once walked when you lived in them. But now you must also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man which with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all. And end all. Therefore, is the elect of God, holy and beloved, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now I'm going to catch up with you, 1 Corinthians. If I can find it. First Corinthians six. Nine. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers 
nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. We were once sinners, but now we've now we're forgiven. Amen. Amen. And the good news is that all these sins can be forgiven. Even fornication, adultery, the effeminate, drunkards, they can all be forgiven. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would bless your people with whatever they need, Lord. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that's sort of a rough introduction, but it seemed like I needed to go one direction before I could try going another direction. So, let's go to Philippians 1. One one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good. But what I want to do is go back to to verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints. And what I want to say is that we, if you're born again, we are the saints. We are the saints in Shelbyville. We're not exclusive. We're not the only ones in Shelbyville. We're not the only ones in this town, this county, this area. But we are the saints. And Brother Tom, he used to, he used to say, you're either a saint or an ain't. And if you're an ain't, you ain't going to make it. And uh, I kind of looked up saint and... Uh, in Strong's, and I thought it would mean set apart, but I couldn't find that. I, but what I did find was blameless. So, um, blameless. And you know, and, th- and that's only because of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the cross that we are blameless. That's the only way. But if we made t shirts that say, We are the saints, would we wear it? We wear that, I'm a saint. You know? Or will we just uh, keep a question mark in your pocket, you know, on some days and it says, I'm a saint, and you just add that question mark there. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, but Paul, Paul kind of, um, he, uh, he uses that introduction uh, to all the saints, or to the saints in... Uh, in Philippians here, in Second Corinthians, and Ephesians, and in Colossians, but uh, but I kind of like what he says in First uh, Corinthians and Romans. So go with me to to Romans one. 
Romans 1, 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. That seems a little more humble. Um, if we put that on a t-shirt, that would be a little easier to wear, you know. Called to be a saint. Everyone would see that, you know. And, uh, but are we a saint first in our lives? Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of that, but this, but uh, it says, are we Marshall? You know, you ever heard of that? We are Marshall. We are ESPN Sports. We are Cardinals, Wildcats, and maybe even Hoosiers. I don't know, but <laughs> but anyway, are we first the Saints? Are we first painters? Are we first the flooring guys, housewives, engineers? Or are we first the saints, followers of Christ? We are the saints. We are the saints if we're truly born again. And let's go to John 3. And the Baptists, they didn't, they didn't patent this. They didn't. It's the wrong John. The other John. But John 3 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things that you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. It's kind of the Trinity there, isn't it? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in Him is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, and this is condemnation. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because of their because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, and his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Verse 3, verse 3, you must be born again. You know, you can't see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. 7, you must be born again. You know, and we know 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in verse 18, you know, who does, if you don't believe, if you don't believe in Him, you're, you're condemned already. Now, is this salvation free? Is it going to cost you money? Is it going to cost you $10 in the offering plate today? $100? Maybe $1,000? No. No, but it's not free. It'll cost you your sins. The things we read about in the introduction. It's going to cost you your sins. Uh, my kids used to go to Bible school at the Baptist church and, and they would teach about the, the ABCs of, of salvation. Uh, admit you're a sinner. Believe you're forgiven. Believe in Jesus and confess that He is your Lord and Savior. But, uh, but I think we need to add the RT version version of this, uh, the Dodge Charger and the Challenger, they have the they call the RT version uh, which which means for them is road and road track, it means it's good for the road it's good for the track but for me but for me today it means repent and turn so repent and turn from your sins so A, admit admit that you're a sinner then the RT Repent and turn. Then believe. Believe that you're forgiven. Believe in Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. And confess Him as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus, He went out and preached repentance. Go with, let's, uh, Mark 1. Mark 1, it's 15. Now, or 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, Time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and, and believe in the gospel. He preached repentance. And in, in verse 4, John preaches repentance. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And uh, Mark 6 12 uh, the disciples were sent out uh, by Jesus and so they went out and preached that people should repent so Jesus preached repentance John the Baptist preached repentance and he sent out the disciples to repent to preach repentance. And uh, I always uh, interpreted repent as, you know, always thought, um, you know, 
I looked it up in Strong's, and I thought it would mean, you know, to be sorry. Um, but I, I couldn't find that. Uh, but what I got out of Strong's was uh, to think differently. But if you think differently, you're going to become different. You know, and still, all this is because of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus. But you must be born again. We have asked Him in His hearts, and He will never leave us. That's Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? If you're born again. And how great, how great is our salvation. Uh, Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So how great is this salvation? Now let's go to uh, the Old Testament. Let's go to Habakkuk. We've heard this about a hundred times. and um, uh, I kind of like how Merritt Fryer, he... Uh, he would pronounce it differently. He, he pronounced it, or at least what I understood, the way I heard it was Habakkuk. So, so I always think of Habakkuk. So, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high heels. What, what, if, we, what if we made that extreme? What if we put that in our terms? Uh, uh, you know, everything going wrong. What if, uh, not that I'm confessing this on anyone, but what if your wife left you or your husband left you? Would you still rejoice in the Lord? Would you still joy in the God of your salvation? And if she took the dog, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> you know, and your kids, they just, they go with her. And your friends leave you. Will you still rejoice in the Lord? Will you still joy in the God of your salvation? What if you're, what if you, you're bankrupt? 
What if you lose your job, lose all your money, bankrupt? What if you're lame? What if you're sick? What if you're near death? What if you're in jail and you're beat every day or worse? Well, will you rejoice in the Lord? Have joy in the God of your salvation. Habakkuk is getting to be more of a kook, you know. What if it's less extreme? What if just you and your wife are just at each other, you know? What if your kids went on, you know? What if your little one, I mean, they're, you know, their favorite word is no, you know? You even start a sentence and it's no, 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 no. Are you still going to rejoice in the Lord? There's a cure for that. There's a cure for that, you know? But when they get older, what if, they, what if it seems like you've got uh, jokers and deuces instead of kings and queens? You know, God can fix that though. God, He can fix that. What if your work is just, just not going like it should? Money's scarce. Will you rejoice in the Lord? Will you have joy in the God of your salvation? What if the ministry team at church is really really just a, a deacon with an internet and a projector? You know? And your praise team, it may be a retired song leader or just a playlist. Maybe a keyboard, maybe a piano, maybe a banjo, maybe the drums, maybe a trumpet. Not that these things are bad. Not that they're bad. It's been pretty good. But will we still rejoice in the Lord? Will we have God? Will we have joy in the God of our salvation? And uh, I was watching the, the news the other... It's been a while back, but... And uh, on there they were talking about an, an unclaimed lottery ticket. And it was worth $1.5 billion. That's a lot of Benjamins. That's a lot of money. I figured, you know, for the next 50 years after taxes... I. You know, you could spend $49,000 a day and not go broke. You know, that is a lot of money. That's, a, that's over $300,000 a week. That's over a million dollars a month. Now, if we had this ticket sitting on this side over here, and we had our salvation ticket sitting over here, and you could only choose one, what would you choose? You know, this would fix a whole lot of our problems for at least for a while. You know, it would solve a whole lot. You know, you could fix your leaky roof or buy you a mansion or whatever, you know. But this, this salvation ticket, you know, it's eternal. It's forever and ever and ever, you know. And if you're on this side, if you've been saved, you've been born again, this lottery ticket would be worthless. You know, you just take it and, you know, instead of dropping the mic, you drop the ticket, you know. So, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know, you can no longer say you're not a winner if you're born again, you know. I don't know why it's not winner, winner, steak dinner, but, but anyway, maybe it's chicken and dumplings dinner. <laughs> If you're truly born again, we are winners. No. If you're not born again, it because it's worth it. And uh, what are what are the benefits of our salvation? You know, what are the, some of the benefits? 
one, heaven, eternal life. It's pretty good. Heaven may not be what, what a lot of people think it is. It may not be a lot like Dixie. But I still want to go. It may not be a giant golf course or a fishing hole. It may not be nice hunting grounds or have a basketball court or a tennis court. But I'm sure it's amazing. It may be a, a giant praise service or just bowing before the Lord. Whatever it's like, I want to go. Two, what, what may even be better than heaven is not going to hell. You know, we talk about Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, Lazarus just wanted to, I mean, uh, the rich man, just he just wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and come over and just touch his tongue. And whatever hell's like, I don't want to go. You know. Three, what may be better, it probably is, is the peace of God, the forgiveness of sin. You know, we don't have to go around talking. You don't have to go around talking to yourself anymore. You know, just talking to God. You can talk to God. But John 9 says that uh, God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. A lot of prayers go up in vain. But peace with God may be the greatest gift of all. But four, four is being with Jesus forever. Can you imagine? The only way you're going to get me out of heaven is if Jesus leaves. You know, when He comes back, the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, if He doesn't come back before I die. But there must be something about getting. You know, I know there's something about getting your glorified body when you come back. But I believe we aren't going to want to leave the presence of Jesus, you know. You know, and uh, so I mean, we're told that there's no time in heaven; time has ceased. So we may send six days with Him personally, just you and Jesus, and it may be like six seconds in heaven, or six milliseconds, one on one with Jesus. Can you imagine? Have we become complacent with our salvation? Or is there still joy in the God of our salvation? Uh, Psalms 51. Psalms 51.10 Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltless, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. 
O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And we, we love God because He first loved us. How do, we, how do we evidence our love to God? First uh, John 4. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. We love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. It's If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has sent, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Five, five, one. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdens. So we've got to keep... If we love God, we're going to keep His commandments. And also, we're going to love each other. Um, you know, and I think loving each other is different for different people. Um, there, was a, there was a prominent lady years ago, and you all know her. Not my mom. Uh, but she, she gave her testimony, and she said something that... Uh, it helped me out a lot uh, as a young young person. She said that as a whole, she didn't really like people. 
but individually she could get along with just about anyone. And uh, you know, I think that that's kind of fits me. You know, it's it's tough to love people as a whole, but individually on an individual basis, I, I can love each one of you in the Lord. You know, uh, you know, and uh, when picnics come, uh, you know, my wife she gets excited. You know, but I'm like, okay, okay. She can go around to talk to everyone for two minutes and be thrilled and have the time of her life, you know. But I have to connect with just a few people, you know. Then I'm okay, you know. And for her, it's it's the more the merrier, you know. More people, the you know. It's it's just that way. But for me, it doesn't matter if there's five people or there's 500 people, if I can't make that personal connection, you know, I, I'm ready to go home. So we love, we love in different ways. Um, and like Caleb said last week, we're all different, you know. But we have to work at loving each other. And uh, sometimes people seem to be one way and they're another. Um, tell a story on myself. I guess years ago we were at a a uh, Christian concert and uh, at intermission I had uh, you know I went to the restroom and it was a long hallway and on my way back I was I was about midway through it and there was a a younger African American girl and, and she was coming towards me and we were like the only ones in the hallway but anyway she got right up beside me she said something and it sounded to me like blah 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 and I had you know I didn't think she was talking to me um, but I took about ten more steps down the hallway, and um, I realized that she said, "I like your shirt." Now, either that was tongues and interpretation, or just God, you know, <laughs> brings that back into you. Into you. But I didn't mean to be rude. I mean, she probably thought, you know, he's just stuck up, arrogant, or a racist, or a male chauvinist, or something, you know, or all of those things, you know. But I didn't mean to be. Uh, to me, I didn't expect someone like that to want to talk to someone like me. You know, someone young, hip, you know. But uh, pe- people may seem one way, and like Caleb said, we're all different. We come from different places. Uh, so sometimes we've got to give people a little leeway. We've got to love each other. So it, is our salvation the pearl of great price, or are you willing to trade it for a lottery ticket? And that's Matthew 13. Start in verse 44. And the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, have we found this pearl of great price? 
I've lost where I'm at. We found this, this great treasure in Jesus. Is He the joy of our salvation? Are we showing it and keeping His commandments and loving the saints, loving each other? Let's go to Romans 8. I'm almost done. Romans 8.1. I don't skip to the end. That's the good part. You, you follow with me. We'll, we'll get there. There's therefore for now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. For indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Amen. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation's waiting for us. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. For not only they, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. 
even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we did not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? For God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession? For us. Man. Wow. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written? For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know. And, And God loves us. God still loves every one of us, you know, if you're born again. If you're not, get there there. Alright, alright. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would bless your people with whatever they need. Whether it's healing, deliverance, salvation, conviction, trials or testings. If need, Help us to love each other and restore unto us the joy of our salvation if need be. In Jesus' name.